Chapter Fourteen of Colonel Quaritch, V.C. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Colonel Quaritch, V.C. by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Fourteen: The Tiger Shows Her Claws. After this very chilling reception at the hands of the object of his affection. Edward Cossey, as may be imagined, continued his drive in an even worse temper than before. He reached his rooms, had some luncheon, and then, in pursuance of a previous engagement, went over to the Oaks to see Mrs. Quest. He found her waiting for him in the drawing room. She was standing at the window with her hands behind her, a favorite attitude of hers. As soon as the door was shut, she turned, came up to him, and grasped his hand affectionately between her own. It is an age since I've seen you, Edward," she said. "One whole day, really. When I do not see you, I do not live. I only exist." He freed himself from her clasp with a quick movement. "Really, Belle," he said impatiently, "you might be a little more careful than to go through that sort of performance in front of an open window, especially as the gardener must have seen the whole thing." "I don't care much if he did," she said defiantly. What does it matter? My husband is certainly not in a position to make a fuss about other people. What does it matter? He said, stamping his foot. What does it not matter? If you have no care for your good name, do you suppose that I am indifferent to mine? Mrs. Quest opened her large violet eyes to the fullest extent, and a curious light was reflected from them. You have grown wonderfully careful all of a sudden, Edward," she said meaningly. What is the use of being careful when you are so reckless? I tell you what it is, Bella. We are talked of all over this gossiping town, and I don't like it. And what is more, once and for all, I won't have it. If you will not be more careful, I will break with you altogether, and that is the long and short of it. Where have you been this morning? She asked in the same ominously calm tone. I have been to Hunnam Castle on a matter of business. Oh, and yesterday you were there on a matter of pleasure. Now, did you happen to see Ida in the course of your business? Yes, he answered, looking her full in the face. I did see her. What about it? By appointment, I suppose. No, not by appointment. Have you done your catechism? Yes, and now I am going to preach a homily on it. I see through you perfectly, Edward. You are getting tired of me and want to get rid of me. I tell you plainly that you are not going the right way to work about it. No woman, especially if she be in my unfortunate position, can tamely bear herself to see herself discarded for another. Certainly, I cannot, and I caution you. I caution you to be careful, because when I think of such a thing, I am not quite myself. And suddenly, and without the slightest warning, for her face had been hard and cold as stone, she burst into a flood of tears. Now, Edward Cossey, being but a man, was somewhat broken down at this sight. Of course, he did his best to console her, though with no great results, for she was sobbing bitterly when suddenly there came a knock at the door. Mrs. Quest turned her face toward the wall and pretended to be reading a letter, and he tried to look as unconcerned as possible. A telegram for you, sir," said the girl with a sharp glance at her mistress. "The telegraph boy brought it on here when he found you were not at home, because he said he would be sure to find you here." And please, sir, he hopes that you will give him sixpence for bringing it round, as he thought it might be important. 
Edward felt in his pocket and gave the girl a shilling, telling her to say that there was no answer. As soon as she was gone, he opened the telegram and started. It was from his sister in London and ran as follows. Come up to town at once. Father has had a stroke of paralysis. Shall expect you by the seven o'clock train. What is it? said Mrs. Quest, noting the alarm on his face. Why, my father is very ill. He has had a stroke of paralysis, and I must go to town by the next train. Shall you be long away? I do not know. How can I tell? Good-bye, Bella. I am sorry that we should have had this scene, just as I am going, but I can't help it. Oh, Edward, she said, catching him by the arm and turning her tear-stained face up toward his own. You are not angry with me, are you? Do not let us part in anger. How can I help being jealous when I love you so? Tell me that you do not hate me, or I shall be wretched all the time that you are away. No, no, of course not. But I must say that I wish that you would not make such shocking scenes. Good-bye. Good-bye, she answered, as she gave him her shaking hands. Good-bye, my dear. If only you knew what I feel here. She pointed to her breast. You would make excuses for me. Almost before she had finished her sentence, he was gone. She stood near the door, listening to his retreating footsteps till they had quite died away, and then flung herself in the chair and rested her head upon her hands. I shall lose him, she said to herself in the bitterness of her heart. I know I shall. What chance have I against her? He already cares for Ida a great deal more than he does for me. In the end, he will break from me and marry her some time. Oh, I had rather see him dead, and myself too. Half an hour later, Mr. Quest came in. Where is Cossey? he asked. Mr. Crossey's father has had a stroke of paralysis, and he has gone up to London to look after him. Oh, said Mr. Quest, well, if the old gentleman dies, your friend will be one of the wealthiest men in England. Well, so much the better for him. I am sure money is a great blessing. It protects one from so much. Yes, said Mr. Quest with emphasis. So much the better for him and all connected with him. Why have you been crying? Because Cossey has gone away, or have you quarrelled with him? How do you know that I have been crying? If I have, it's my affair. At any rate, my tears are my own. Certainly they are. I do not wish to interfere with your crying. Cry when you like. It will be lucky for Cossey if that old father of his dies just now, because he wants money. What does he want money for? Because he has undertaken to pay off the mortgages of the castle estates. Why has he done that? As an investment? No, it is a rotten investment. I believe that he has done it because he is in love with Miss de la Mole and is naturally anxious to ingratiate himself with her. Don't you know that? I thought perhaps that that's what you had been crying about. It is not true, she answered, her lips quivering with pain. Mr. Quest laughed gently. I think that you must have lost your power of observation, which used to be sufficiently keen. However, of course, it does not matter to you. It will in many ways be a most suitable marriage, and I am sure they will make a very handsome couple. She made no answer, and turned her back to hide the workings of her face. For a few moments her husband stood looking at her, with a gentle smile playing on his refined features. Then, remarking that he must go round to the office, but would be back in time for tea, he went, reflecting with satisfaction that he had given his wife something to think about, which would be scarcely to her taste. As for Bella Quest, she waited till the door had closed, 
and then turned around toward it and spoke aloud, as though she were dressing her vanished husband. "'I hate you,' she said with bitter emphasis. "'I hate you. You have ruined my life, and now you torment me as though I were a lost soul. Oh, how I wish I were dead! I wish I were dead!' on reaching his office mr quest found two letters for him one of which had just arrived by the afternoon post the first was addressed in the squire's handwriting and signed with a big seal and the other bore a superscription the sight of which made him turn momentarily faint taking up the last with a visible effort he opened it it ran as follows dear bill no answer this morning i hope you ain't up to any of your tricks about the tin because i won't stand it and that's all i told you that i had dropped all my oof and that i had not much out of you this year only five hundred and a beggarly twenty pound on my birthday and what i make at the birmingham four pound ten a week and hard work for that i'm cleaned out and that's all about it only just now a brute of a fellow came in with a summons for rates and i told him that my friend that means you bill dear was going to come down handsome in a day or two. He would not believe it, just as though he knew what a mean lot you were. So I told him to bundle out double-quick, or I'd heave the coal-chute at his head. And he went, you bet, but he'll be back before long with the summons. I say the coal-chute, for there ain't no coals in it, and I can't afford any money to get a bit of fire to warm my bones with. Then there's the landlord, says he'll distrain for the rent, unless it's paid up in double-quick time. And so the long and short of it is, that if I don't get about five hundred quid out of you in the course of next week, I'll know the reason why. And I'll just be plain with you, Bill, my old boy. If I don't see the color of that money by this day week, why, I tell you what I am going to do. I am going to take a little country air. My complexion wants it, and I think Boisingham would suit first rate. In fact, I shall come down and pay you a visit, old boy. So perhaps you'll ask the lovely Mrs. Quest to get a room ready for me. And when I get down there, if I don't tell all the old respectables a thing or two about their beloved lawyer, and generally make them sit up and see stars, why, I ain't I. And now there's the straight tip for you, from your affectionate tiger. But remember, she'd always rather purr than growl. It's only when the cash don't come down that her back goes up. All a question of money, my boy, like everything else in this wicked world. Your beloved, Edith by the time mr quest had finished reading this precious effusion the cold sweat was standing in beads on his forehead great heavens this woman will destroy me what a devil and she'd be as good as her word unless i found her the money i must go up to town at once i wonder how she got that idea into her head it makes me shudder to think of such a thing and he dropped his face upon his hands and groaned in the bitterness of his heart it is hard, he thought to himself. Here I have, for years and years, been striving and toiling and laboring to become a respectable and respected member of society, and always this old folly haunts my steps and drags me down, and, by heaven, I believe that it will destroy me after all. With a sigh he lifted his head, and taking a sheet of paper wrote on it, I have received your letter, and will come and see you to-morrow or the next day. This letter he placed in an envelope, which he directed to the high-sounding name of Mrs. Daubegne, Stanley Street, Pimlico, and put it in his pocket. Then, with another sigh, he took up the squire's letter and glanced through it. 
its length was considerable but in substance it announced his acceptance of the arrangement proposed by mr edward cossey and requested that he would prepare the necessary deeds to be submitted to his lawyers mr quest read the letter absently enough and threw it down with a little laugh what a queer world it is he said to himself and what a ludicrous side it has to it all here is cossey advancing money to get hold over ida de la mole whom he means to marry if he can and who is probably playing her own hand here is bella madly in love with cossey who will break her heart here i am in love with bella who hates me and playing everybody's game in order to advance my own and become a venerated member of society i am superior to here is the squire blundering about like a walrus in a horse-pond and fancying everything is being conducted for his sole advantage and that all the world revolves around honham castle and then here at the end of the chain is this female harpy edith jones otherwise d'aubergne alias the tiger gnawing at my vitals and holding my fortunes in her hand bah it is a queer world and full of combinations but the worst of it is that plot as we will the solution of them does not rest with us no not with us End of chapter 14